Hey, Doug. Hello. I played golf today. Oh, that's right. It was pretty how'd you, how'd you shoot? 64? Uh, at least. Through nine? Man, it's been a minute, buddy. It has. Had a couple good shots, a lot of bad shots. I've decided. That's the way the golf is for people who best aren't really way good. to absolutely obliterate five hours of time with your friends outside poof just gone gone forever and then i had the conversation with jake who went with me we were talking about who does this every day people you know? with no jobs and then we were talking about how or who have had jobs that went really well yeah right because or they don't care about jobs we, <laughs> and we did it money. as a fundraiser and i was like can you? But we saw other people out there. Can you imagine if you just did this every day? How much would that cost? How does that work? Do you go? It's is a it lot. like a? Do you just? I think pay those the are the like people time? who join golf clubs, which is still like really expensive, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's a uh, something I don't understand. Mm. I mean, I golfed a lot when I was growing up, but nothing else. I wasn't paying for anything, anyways. <laughs> Hey, Dad. Can uh, we go golfing again? Sure. Perfect. Thanks. That's great. But, yeah, it was fun. It was really nice outside. And I uh, had a couple good shots and uh, a lot of not good ones. But it was a perfect example of why if you have the personality, Doug, you can't be too committed because then you start to care. Yeah, and then you're out there like – every night from seven to nine playing golf working on your short game breaking clubs over your knee when you get frustrated yeah I don't want but on the bright side you know if you really just did it all the time you could be pretty good pretty good you know and then you could tell your friend you know not like pro good you know, but i'm a pretty good golfer. but you could be like pretty good and then you could go out to these fundraisers and golf things. And, <laughs> and everyone really would be like, wow, that guy's really impressive. Really mediocre. <laughs> and you're like, that's the culmination of $400,000 worth of golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's all worth it now. All... People I don't know think I'm pretty good. At <laughs> yep. And I, it's, it's a thing. You know, I was out there in a pair of the pants that I'm wearing right now, Doug, is what I was wearing. Just so you guys know, I'm wearing a pair of camo, camouflage pants. Um, and uh, Where was this? Soldier Hollow, mm. and uh, oh yeah, a pair boy. of Nike Dunks. It's tough there. Yeah, did have a collared shirt on though. Tried to pay respect to the uh, golf course collared <laughs> to shirt. The golf gods. Yep, and uh, you know there are some people out there with the full garb. Oh like, yeah, I'm sure it's part of the deal. I, mean, I was like, wow, you golf. Yeah, just I mean, by they, the whole. I think they like that whole scene. Yeah, understandably, right? If I yeah. was a golfer, I think I'd have the the, the outfit. You're like, <laughs> not. not Clearly not the golfer like, guy out there. <laughs> I'm the guy they kick off. Happy the Gilmore courses. out there on the course. Yeah, right with my hockey jersey on. <laughs> and if you guys haven't watched Happy Gilmore, you can stop listening now and never come back. Bro- well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's jump in. One of the questions I get, and I think you've gotten probably over the years teaching seminars, um, doing podcasts in the past, and we've probably talked about this years ago, but I often get the question of people that are looking to open a gym or an affiliate, and they say, hey, I'm going to open a gym. Can you give me like the best piece of advice or the, the top three things you would do? Yeah. Which is like, wow, there's a lot going on here, right? But if you yeah. were going to tell someone 
um, even from like your experience, your perspective. So you obviously, you know, quick Doug in a nutshell used to basically be like an assistant principal started coming yeah. to the gym, jumped into the gym thing, loved it, started training at the gym, worked for CrossFit seminar staff, trained at the gym for a while, yeah. got busy, did the one-on-one stuff, yeah. worked seminar staff. Yeah. Now you uh, are into trading, which is great, yeah. um, but no longer work at the gym, yeah. still work occasionally on summer staff. Yes. Okay. But yes. you also did run um, the high school athletic strength and performance yes. program, which I would say arguably is very similar to you starting yes. a gym. Yes. Very similar. But you know, some, some things are quite different, but definitely similar. And the thing, I, I don't know if I have three things or maybe we can get to three things, but I'm sure we'll get to more. The first thing is that it has to make sense as a business. Oh man. I love that you said that first. <laughs> Because yeah. this is sort of my standard when I talk to people about this. Not having like really gone out and found a space to rent myself and like put the yeah. floor down. I was just rented from you. But I get the impression that a lot of people don't like the job they're doing. Right? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know. Pick something that they're doing. They don't like their current job. Yep. And they do like doing CrossFit. Yeah. They like training people. They like working out, whatever it is. They want to help people. They want to help people. They like that. Yep. They maybe even have even said to themselves, like, this is great when I get a chance to do it. Maybe they coach a couple classes at a local gym or whatever. Yep. Like, this is great. I would do this for free. Mm. I really like it. It's awesome. Yeah. I could spend all day doing this. And then because the barrier to entry is really low for if you want to open a CrossFit gym, mm -hmm. it's like take a seminar, get equipment, find a spot, put the floor down, put the rigs up. Yeah. Let's go fire away. Yeah. In terms of like compared to like opening a McDonald's. Yeah. Register trademark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thank my sponsor. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken McNuggets. I mean, if I had to go with fast food, I think I'd go, I mean, does Chipotle count as fast food? Sure. I'm on Chipotle done. Okay. But if on. you want to open a McDonald's, holy cow. Yeah. You need some mega cash. Oh yeah. And lots of time. And it's a, it's a, there's a really high barrier to entry there. Not so with, you know, working out. Correct. So people, because the barrier to entry is low and they don't like what they're doing so much and they love that so much. It leads them into these situations, I think, where they open a gym and they can have some success and they like doing it, but they can't pay anybody to work because mm -hmm. there's no money. Um, maybe they break even, make a little bit more. Let's say they're making, you know, profit 50 grand a year. Yep. Right? Which, Which is like, by not the way, if you guys want to support a family, I ain't going to cut it. Which is like not bad if you're like single dude who lives in someone's basement yeah but quickly realize that like in order to make that 50 grand a year what you do is you work at six in the morning and seven in the morning and eight in the morning and nine in the morning and then you have like this weird break in the middle of the day and then you work at like three four or five and six at night but your weird break in the middle of the day is all the other stuff, all the stuff, programming and accounting and cleaning the gym, cleaning the gym and the equipment. Yeah. Just all yeah. that stuff. So that to me, 
I think you could you could put that stuff down on paper before you did any of those things and realize that this is not going to work. Yeah, that's a pretty sobering comment, right? Like, but I think it's the reality. Like, like you can put down, you don't have to nail it, but you can put down what you're going to charge people and how many people can you think you can get. Guesstimate your overhead with rent. Yeah, you can guess insurance, how much rent and insurance and utilities and all that stuff is going to cost you. Yep. And then you just do the math. Start, yeah. You know, and there's some things that are sort of out of the blue. Like you could get twice as many members as you thought. Hey, good for you. You could, you know, have some sort of assessment on the building that you're renting that's going to cost you 20 grand. Like mm-hmm. those things happen, but I think you can get really close. And I think that, you know, well, the only person I really know that did this was you. And I think that if you had put down on paper what the rent was, how many members you think you got, what you want to pay yourself, what, how many hours you want to work, you'd quickly realize that, like, I don't know how how long this is going to work. Yeah. Because the way to make money in a small business is do everything. Uh, uh, you don't hire people to do anything else. You do yeah, all of it. Yeah. Or start delegating real quick and scale and scale. Yeah. Which, um, so, so to that, I, I would say, you know, the first, when I used to answer this question, the first thing that I would say is think about the kind of culture that you want to create. Cause that dictates everything else, which, well, that's true. Um, that should not <laughs> be the first thing you think about it's exactly what you said is hey that's like the fun stuff right like so before you get to the fun stuff sit down and look at it just like doug said there are ways to model things differently right sure you can be Um, an innovator and and you you can can do things differently and but i would venture to say um and i say this with experience and also with like just a, a a level of care for a lot of people out there is that you know the the CrossFit model for um, really investing in your clients, right, and having uh, hoping that everybody that's paying is showing up, which is admirable and great because we really care about that too. Um, if you aren't a bit creative with other services that you're going to provide and other revenue streams, I don't think. It works in most yeah. places. And as you're saying that, I think maybe we mentioned this before, but was it ever set up to be a business? Like, hey, here's a standalone gym franchise. That's a great it question. It was just never like that. Like they never put stuff on the website that was like, hey, start your own business. Do this. Well, now they've got like the affiliate toolkit and things like that. I know this- because it's big business. Like uh, I think it's gone that way. But ever in the beginning, was it like, do you think that Greg Glassman was like, hey, I'm going to have people open affiliates and they're going to run businesses based on running classes. I mean, CrossFit didn't even, they just put the work out of the day up. Yeah. I mean, I think the original and, you know, like, I don't think that there is any, any point at any point has anybody been told or taught that opening a a gym is going to be a lucrative thing for you. Sure. Um, But, you know, from, gosh, like old school days, really old school stuff, when you heard Glassman talk about what he would do, it was 
in a personal training environment. Yeah, or say, hey, one, two, one, two yeah, or three train people. one person. And when you start to get, you know, your schedule full, have that one person turn into a group. So now you're training two people and they get a discount. And it's sort of in theory, this nice concept of, oh, well, yeah, that sounds great. And normally over time, you know, instead of me working eight hours a day with training people, I would have, you know, small group sessions at five at each one of those things and charging more and, um, you know, more people and making more per hour. But again, this is like a little bit of pie in the sky, I yeah, think. And I don't ever feel like, like they ever really cared so much about that. No. Right? No, I don't think so. But it's just when people started to be like, hey, this is great. I want to do this and share this with other, other people and maybe I could get paid to do it. That yeah. would be even better. Not like a side thing. Not like something I do before or after work or on the weekends, but like, this could be my job. How do I make this that? I don't think there was ever really a conversation around that, you know, or even how to do that. And you saw that early on. You would see a lot of these people come onto the scene that were, you know, either kind of business specialists or they were running seminars that would teach you how to run your gym or, um, you know, um, ways to model it. Um, And they tended to all in my experience, have sort of their own opinions and thoughts about it. Uh, even these turnkey type things where, gosh, that was so long ago. Do you remember that? Where there were a couple companies that would try to basically help you have like a turnkey affiliate. Yeah. Um, and so none of those, to my knowledge, have really lasted. Um, so I would really encourage people to think through, okay, what, is, what if this is something I really want to do? What would that look like? Because there's obviously strength and conditioning facilities. There are obviously fitness is, can be a lucrative market. Otherwise people wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's a huge industry in the world. Massive. But, 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 but the model that you choose to run it in and the scale required and gosh, we did this way long ago. Do you remember when we did that like population map thing where we Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, sort of like where we thought successful affiliates were. Yeah. Where people have disposable income. Yeah. Where rents are cheap. Yep. Where there's not That's the gold a mine. lot of competition around you. And we've been to those gyms. Mm-hmm. You know, like traveling for seminars, you walk into these gyms and you're like, one, where am I? Right. Yeah. I'm like, like 20 minutes east of Phoenix. Yeah. In a warehouse space that's 15,000 square feet that they pay $3,000 a month yeah. for. And they have 300 members because they're building houses that they're going out of style there. Yeah. Your, your population in three square miles is 800,000 people. Now, if it's a business, like I don't know anything about like the quality of that training environment or whatever, but all things equal, if it's a business, that's a gold mine. Yeah. Location, location, location. Right. right. If like, you do it well. If you do it well. But again, like let's take all the best practices and people do all the things well and programming and all that other stuff takes care of itself. I know that it doesn't always, but yeah, you know, but what about here? You know, like Holy moly. we live in a place with not tons of people. No. With high rents. Yep. We, people have lots of disposable income here, but they're also, we're also limited in how many people can live here. You know, there's a lot yeah. of open space here. There's not a lot of places to build houses here. So our population's limited. And a crazy competitive market. When you think about all the other, whether it's outdoor activities or rec center yeah. or boutique fitness brands. Yeah. And so like what happens to people? You know, I can think of four or five gym spaces 
that have come and gone. Yeah. Because they can't pull that off. You yeah. Know? Like they're renting a space Super for 12 tough. grand a month. Yeah. And they make 14 grand a month. Oh my gosh. And they're working 10 hours a day. And they days. work 10 hours a day. And like, well, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And that's, so I think, gosh, I mean, step one, and it's not to like rain on anybody's parade, but I think you see this in sort of this evolution of the industry, at least within CrossFit. I think there's this real turning point where people get to the eight, 10 year mark where they really have to ask themselves, okay, is this a viable, sustainable thing? If, and I think people are going to fall into one of two camps, right? Mm -hmm. They're either trying to do it as their sole income and they're realizing that, that it's not sustainable and they can't do it. Yeah. Or they might have a spouse that has another job or they have another job, whatever, selling yeah. pharmaceuticals and they have three partners that run the gym and it's yeah. a passion project. And yeah, you don't care about making that. money. It puts you in a different. Yeah. World. And maybe it pays, you know, your mortgage on a, you know, your house or whatever, but like, it's just very, very little. So I think you see affiliates that, have these people that have been in the in the biz for a while and that really have struggled and maybe not even their fault it could be demographic it could be rent i mean there's a, a host of things um that struggle and they end up having to close their doors because it's just not financially viable and you could save yourself a decade of work headache if that you just was that going before. to potentially be the outcome yeah. And I'm not saying it would be, but the other kind of anomaly you see now, I think in the fitness world is just, especially after COVID is just this massive influx of online, right? And so you see all these people trying to provide an online program and it's become so oversaturated. And so I think kind of diluted that you kind of have these people out there that I think get quite lucky in some ways with marketing and I'm not just talking CrossFit. I'm talking anything, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, kettlebell training, um, conjugate method, running programs, yoga. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking fitness in general, yeah. right? And it becomes sort of this flash in the pan where I think people can be smart, but also like really be in the right place at the right time and really be lucky. And I think it becomes this trap for other people thinking that the same thing is going to happen to them where they're going to have this, oh, well, if I just have this online thing and I put stuff on Instagram, then I'm just going to have this explosion of memberships. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm here to tell you guys that that is a really, really tough. Yeah. And there was a time when that was easier. Oh, yeah. no one else was doing it. And it, the boy, that's a tough road to hoe, you know, mm -hmm. it's like any other business, but if you don't like doing that stuff, Holy cow. Yeah. You know, like it's like any other thing. If you don't water it, it won't grow. Oh, but 100%. watering the, like the online social media world is. Ooh, takes a special person. Yeah. <laughs> or scale, you know? Yeah. Okay. And, so, so that's maybe one, right? Could we give them a second? Let's say, let's say that somebody, cause I, what I found interesting is I went through the affiliate toolkit thing. Um, actually to get CEUs that I needed. And as I was going through it, I, as a business owner, was so overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, there's no way, like there's some outstanding information in there, some great education in there that people can learn a lot about. But I was like, there's no way that I would have been able to afford or spend the time to do 
75% of those things mm -hmm. before even opening a gym. And it wouldn't have made any sense. Like it's just like yeah. the logistics behind it. But anyway, let's just say that that's not an issue, right? Let's just say that that's, that's neither here nor there. And you've looked at the numbers and you've decided on paper. Yeah. You've done work. that stuff and you're like, okay, this is the spot we're going to do this. Yeah. Like I it's, think I can I, make this, this yeah. is my projection for the year this is what's going to cost me to run the business. Blah, yeah. Blah. I think we're like, I think we're at a good spot and uh, you know, so one, put your business hat on everybody. So you're, you've done it. Cool. Um, what's the next step? What do you think best piece of advice whether it's like we said, culture, space, gear, um, coaches, classes, what do you got? You know, I was just thinking this cause, uh, I saw this just happening in the gym and it's like one person running a class for one person. And when you start, it's like, you know, you might not have one, you might have one person show up to your four thirty class mm -hmm. and you got to show up. And yeah. like really do the thing and like try really hard and be great and do it. Like there's 20 people in the room as mm. for, in terms of like presence and attitude and like doing all the thing. Yeah. And you have to show up and really do it because if you're like there in your flip flops and you're like, Oh, no one likes me. <laughs> people don't want to show up to my classes. This is stupid. I yeah. guess I'm going to give Chris a really crappy experience for his class people will not come back. So like, yeah, it like when you start, you got to be all about it and love it and do it. And even when it's hard, you got to do it or like you're sick or you're tired or whatever, you got to like show up. And if you're really passionate about it, show people what your passion is, r r make that the best two person four thirty PM Wednesday class they've ever had. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. So for example, like my first client was Pat Kaylee. Do you remember? Pat? Yeah. So Pat, I think I charged Pat 170 a month, maybe 150. He let's go high. Let's go 170. Um, I charged him 170 a month because he was the first member of Park City Fit. Yeah. Right. Um, I trained him five days a week in a one-on-one -on -one setting in the rec center for four weeks a month. So five days. So I've got 170. So we're going to go five, we'll say 30 days. So what we're talking 170 divided by 30, right? Yeah. I'm good at math guys. Um, I was making $5 and 66 cents an hour. <laughs> well, five days a week, five days and 20. So you make seven bucks an hour. Yeah. And like I was making seven bucks an hour to do a one-on-one -on -one with Pat and try to make it the best hour of his yep. day. And I did that. No, no kidding, guys. I did that for months. Yeah. And, and now I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it. In fact, I'm saying that's the wrong way to do it. But point being is that like when it was just Pat, it was still go time, you know? Yeah. Like still, let's make it, make it great for Pat. Yeah. And I think like maybe that goes away fast or maybe like you've got members who are going to follow you from another place or whatever. But if you're just hanging up the shingle, when you had your business hat on, you should have allotted for like, well, I think I want my goal for the first month is to have 10 members. Yeah. Right. Cause everyone starts at zero probably. And what am I going to do to create that? Yeah. You know, do I do some incentive for Pat? Do yeah. I and like, do some kind of marketing? Do I, whatever. and whether there's one person or 20 people in the room, you've got to like show up and do it. Cause people really fast will sniff out that you don't really care. 
And if there's only five people and three of them figure out that you don't care, then you're left with two. Mm, good call. It, and it's just, just doesn't work. I'm with that. I also am a, fi- a huge fan of the culture thing. Like we said, because you can really run things very different, right? And I think it's really easy to look at other people and say to yourself, oh, well, you know, this person does this type of thing. So that's the way that I need to run my gym. Um, where arguably, I think one of the smarter ways, and this is comical because of where we are, um, but I think one of the smarter ways to do this would to be to have a really small space with really nice stuff. Mm-hmm a really small team and do all semi-private pieces. Mm-hmm. So instead of you trying to scale and have, um, you know, and I, this is maybe specific to Park City, but instead of you trying to scale and have X amount of members in a large space, I think one of the potentially more lucrative ways to do it would be to be in a space that's 1,000, 1,500 square feet. Yeah. And you have a small group of five people at these hours and you charge a premium for mm-hmm. that. That could potentially be a good recipe for you guys. Or it might be the outside of Phoenix recipe like we just talked about, where if their space is low, uh, like a low cost, you've got a really high population, maybe it's young families, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to open up a class where moms can bring their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's that you guys are next to a university and you have uh, lots of turnover every two to three years but you have student incentives and you have more of a culture around that and you facilitate that and welcome those kids in. And that would all be part of like a business model. Totally. So when you're thinking through putting the business hat on, I would say really look at and say to yourself, okay, what would I want this to look like out of things that I'm passionate about? And does that make sense within the business Mm -hmm. model? Because you could save yourself a ton of money on equipment space, all that stuff, depending on how you run it. Yeah. And, um, you know, another thing I think I learned from hanging around is like when rent is expensive and I can't imagine that rents in the world are getting cheaper these days. They don't seem to be done. When rent is expensive and like you're tempted to expand, you know, like, cause it sounds glamorous, right? Like, yeah, we're going to move into this space. That's a th- you know, 30% bigger, it's going to be really cool. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, it is really cool because they're not paying the bill for it. Right. Oh man. And I, so I will say that that's something, one of the things that I've learned over time is, you know, sometimes surveys and feedback can be really helpful and valuable, but also you guys have to remember that just like if I'm going to fill out a survey, I'm thinking about me. Yeah. I'm not thinking about the entire community if you ask me, hey, Chris, um, you know, like, let's just, uh, let's think outside the box, right? Like, let's think that, uh, let's think we're a member of some, I got a new business idea. Um, we have uh, a shop in town where we rent motos out, right? And we take people on like cool weekly excursions, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this little community about it. And you're like, hey, um, Doug, you know, we were thinking about carrying, uh, you know, some nutrition stuff in the moto shop. Do you want that? Yeah, I love that. That'd be great. Cool. What about Sign those? Me up. How about some New Jerseys, Doug? Yeah, that's like, awesome too. I want retail. Local. Yeah, awesome. What if we carried like some boots? Yeah, I want those too. Yeah, that's great. Um, what if we, uh, what if we got like a cool espresso machine in here? Yeah, I want a physical therapist in there too. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, everybody's going to be like, "That sounds great. That sounds great." Or, "Yes, I want that," because they're thinking about, "Hey, well, that sounds great." But 
when it comes time to actually implementing that, that, you know, we can sometimes feel like the voice of one person feels like everybody. It can be a slippery slope. And like, uh, you know, if you move space to a place that's, you know, 30% bigger and your rate goes, or your, uh, your overhead overhead goes up by 30%, well, do you just have the same membership and 30% more space? Yeah. I mean, then your margin's gone down. Yeah. You know, or, okay, so let's say you add 30% more members. That's cool. But now you have, or you make up for that, that additional space. You cover the cost of it with more members, right? Well, now you've got the same margin just with more space. Or more to deal with. Right. And it's just more, more, more. So yeah. it's like you, you got 15,000 square feet and, you know, 500 members and you still make the same amount of money that you made when you had a thousand square feet and 20 members. Yeah. Like that's also not a great place to be. So, so think about it. I think we'll, we'll leave it at those two partly because I want to work out done. I do want to work out too. I do want to mention one more thing, which so, I think is what you've done and people should think about too, uh, is own the building. Yeah. And I know it's hard, but it's like, it becomes a totally different business when you own yeah. the building because you and I have talked about this a little bit. Like now you're also in the real estate business. And if you've picked the right spot, which you have, re the, the value, the equity in your building goes up. So the business becomes worth more because the, or the, you own the building in it yeah. or you run the bill, the building as a completely separate business and your other business rents from it. Yep. And then you have a tenant for the building you've got. And People, same way with like buying houses, people are like, I can't afford it. And every year, because house prices go up more than your wages go up, you just fall further and further and further behind. Mm -hmm. You know, like if house, what have house prices done in here, or let's say real estate, commercial real estate in the last five years? Oh my gosh. Almost doubled? I Yeah. In five years, yeah. Right. Yeah. So your wages haven't doubled in five years. No. Right. Even so if, if they did, it wouldn't cover that. <laughs> so if you couldn't, like, if you couldn't afford it, then you can't afford it now. And it, but you got to find yeah. some way to break in. Like, how did you break in? You worked real hard, had some cash. I mean, I'm, you haven't told me this, but as yeah. I'm guessing, worked real hard, had some cash, borrowed some money from banks that were willing to lend to you made it happen. It was a real pain in the buns, right? Yeah. Really, really, really hard. Right. Really hard. And now you have a building that appreciates in value and yeah. you don't pay rent necessarily. You pay a mortgage and the building you have is an asset. Yeah. And we, and in full transparency for you guys listening, we were at that crossroads of, we basically had three choices. We were going to have to renew a lease in another year. And we knew that was only going to go up. So option one, continue to lease, which wasn't an option because guess what? By the time we were out of there, there's no way we could have afforded it, right? It's just like... It, yeah, and you're in a business for $0. Yeah, nothing. So 
that's option one. So that left us to option two, close. Like legit, we thought, well, let's put this on the table. Maybe we should just close the doors. Maybe we're done. Um, and option three, build. And so again, full transparency here, because I think this is really helpful for people to hear. The reason why we were able to do that, um, totally blessed with timing, um, people that we knew, this, the building we're sitting in now, it was the last commercial lot that I knew of that we could build on. My previous landlord knew his friend owned it. It had just fallen through, asked him if he would sell it, said yes. Crazy expensive. The only way that we were able to do that. See, is like that seemed crazy expensive at the time. Yes. Right? Like out of reach, there's no way I can do this. But now, like for real out of reach. That, that it would be impossible. Yeah. But the only way that we were able to do that is, you know, I was fortunate enough to, and I, I've said this on other podcasts, I was fortunate enough to, starting in 2009, you know, get sponsored. Um, and at the time, that was like minimal, nothing, you know. But we saved that cash for a decade, like all that for a decade. We yeah. just sat on it, sat on it. In the event that if we could build, we kind of had that idea, well, this would be a way for us to maybe facilitate that. And no kidding, when it came time for us to put the money down, uh, we had to do it the way that our loan works. We had to do it on um, the land and the projected cost of the building total. Yep. The money that I had saved in that account, and I could have been way smarter with this, by the way, um, but it was just an account. That money that we had there, when I withdrew that to put down on this facility, I had $7 left in that account. Yeah. Like, crazy right but that came through that avenue so i say that just to help you guys have perspective that um that that income was not coming from the gym because the gym was just like on rocket boosters having yeah. boatloads of revenue it's the same in. way like people who don't make enough to buy a house in the place that they live have got to like find something like get a loan get an investor like talk to people they know hey i want to yeah. buy a house do you want to split a house with me i need to get in getting creative get in yeah yeah because once you're in you're in once you're in right you're in. you've and then you've got like you said equity depending on the market depending like on that. the market and yeah. the times but you know like i think in most cases it's a better deal than renting commercial space and i will say long term if you do it you're in you're in. Like you're in. That's and your business. That's what you do now for, it's like when you come out of medical school and you've got, you know, 800 grand in debt, you're not going to go uh, decide to change career paths and be yeah. a journalist at a newspaper. Yep. You're a doctor. You're a doctor. Yeah. Um, so I would say that the, that's one way to look at it. But if you do have commercial real estate, you do have a lot more flexibility and you could potentially leverage that to lease it out someday, sell it, you know, what have you. But maybe um, further down the road, but worth mentioning, I think. Totally. Because it can change the game if you want to be like a pro gym person. Yeah. Agreed. Like for the rest of your life. That's yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, any quick pet peeves, Doug? You got anything? Uh, you know, I thought of one when we were driving over here, but I forgot it. Because yeah. I'm just such a positive guy, you know? It's great. Yeah. And like we said, we've seen positive license plates everywhere. <laughs> Here's, I didn't send these to you, Doug. This will be, um, you know, we'll just kind of tag on. Let me share these with you, Doug. Um, my wife saw these, no kidding, within a 
I don't know, 15 minute window. I got these texts because now it's this comical thing where what she'll are these send personalized me these. license plates. Yeah, she'll send me these personalized license plates. So what does one say? You're ugly. No, it's it's just funny to me because they're the exact same model car, Doug. My car is cool. Basically, <laughs> um, exact same model car, and both are hinting to the same thing. The first one, and if you guys have a Tesla, good, on, great, great. I, great. Now, on on the first Tesla, it says "BYBY uh, -by gas." Bye bye gas. No exhaust. No exhaust. No XOST. Yeah. No exhaust. So, just in case you didn't know, guys, <laughs> I know that your electric car doesn't have exhaust. Okay. Thanks for the reminder. And you're better than me because um, my car burns gas. Right. Not not 15 minutes later, did she send me another text? Same model car. Same color car, Doug. And not gas. Not gas. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Glad to clarify See, that. now we're last, scratching this itch last for me. I Now checked, it's like, oh, gosh. Last I checked, I'm pretty sure Tesla didn't make a fuel-powered car. In fact, <laughs> like, I wish they would now. I wish they would put a 6.7-liter diesel engine inside of their little Tesla Model 3 just to confuse people. I mean, I'm not on really on either side of this like electric car argument, really. Sure. And but I don't need to be reminded. And like <laughs> the energy comes from somewhere. It's coming. Right? Like yeah. it's coming from nuclear power or burning coal or yeah. natural gas or like, something. I kind of for me. So your car does have exhaust. <laughs> it's just not coming out of your car. But it came <laughs> but it came it, out of somewhere. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> It, you use some of it to make that. There is exhaust somewhere. I always wonder too, like what's going to happen with all these batteries? I always, like, you know uh, how, I will bury with throw them in the ocean. You know how people are like, don't throw your double A batteries in the garbage. You got to dispose of them. What correctly. about a like, battery the size of a car? Right. Like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like people freak out. You got to recycle we'll your ship the them. Batteries we'll put them on a boat and we'll recycle ship those. them to like, China and the they'll deal the with them. Car. <laughs> What do you do with that? That's the billion-dollar business is taking those batteries and making them juiced up again. Come on, Elon Musk, get on that. Let's go. I mean, what's going to happen is people are going to turn them into trash and we'll send them to, like, to the moon. Some other country will ex gladly accept our U.S. dollars to take our trash. We'll melt them. And then we'll send it over there. It'll atmosphere. be an environmental disaster. That's oh, the way the world works. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Boom, 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 Lost faith mm. in humanity. Well, hey, um, if you guys have a Tesla, that's great. <laughs> I've never driven one. I've always wanted to. Uh, I think it sounds like a great idea. But, uh, hey, if uh, you have questions or if you have thoughts, if you guys are a gym owner and you have things that maybe you struggle with or you've been in the game for a decade and you think there's something cool to share, let us know. Uh, I think there's a lot of value to that. And just being transparent, I think, can help other people looking to get into it or just starting. So, um, yeah, we will talk to you next week.